is the Evan Planet Podcast, episode 74. I am your host, Joel Amadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast is Dr. David Williamson Schaefer. David is the Vilas Distinguished Professor of Learning Sciences at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in the Department of Educational Psychology. He has a focus on learning analytics and is a data philosopher at the Wisconsin Center for Education Research. Um, and he was one of my instructors when I was a doctoral student and I got my minor in educational psychology and most like learning sciences was, was really what I was looking at. Um, and he was, he's right in the heart of, obviously you can hear that in, in that description of, of his titles. And so I took a course from him called the official name of the course was psychology of education communications, but in the flyer that was used to promote that course that you saw like, you know, stapled up on the bulletin board next to like an elevator or something was the, you know, Ed Sykes 7-Eleven psychology of educational communications or the subtitle was how to make PowerPoints that don't suck. And I was like, well, that's bold. <laughs> and so I was like, and I like making slides. I like technology. And so I was like, well, let's do that. Like, I, I think that sounds like a good course. And, and it was, and it's something that has, I mean, echoed through my career, my teaching, my thinking. I mean, even Amazon Planet itself wasn't created there, but was refined through that course. And we'll get into a little bit on that story uh, in this episode. And so I actually wanted to title this uh, podcast episode, How to Make PowerPoints That Don't Suck. I, maybe I just don't have the guts. But uh, there's so much that I learned through that and you're going to hear all the different learnings that I had about how to m- communicate effectively visually. But then those things would also translate to other visual communications like making websites or um, designing graphics and whatever. There's so much that can be communicated through a nice visual ideas, thoughts, movements, whatever. Like you think about the visuals that are in your head and like how they kind of even can hold emotions. I mean, I even think about <laughs> silly thing like Bucky Badger and that visual and what that can bring up for me and thinking of what that means for me in my, my time at the university of Wisconsin, or just even my life at Wisconsin in Wisconsin and like the image of Bucky Badger and what that means. And then you think about crafting images through slides that can help highlight and uh, an idea, especially those that are dealing with research and you're trying to like be on the cutting edge of something and you've spent so much of your life getting to this point where you have come up with something, an idea that needs to be shared with the world and how can you have your slides or whatever you're going to be using in order to teach others to make the connections about this beautiful thing that you've, that's, that's your baby, right? This beautiful thing that you want to share with the world. How can you make sure it gets highlighted and not hidden within uh, the slides, within the images, right? And so there's a lot here. And, and, and so all of a sudden you might be thinking, well, this is great. I'm excited to learn about visual communication through an audio podcast. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's tough. Um, so we're not leaving you high and dry. So what you can do is go to the show notes for this episode. So amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 74. And we're going to be talking about, we're going to be going through a set of slides that I have created that kind of highlighted the principles of the course. So I was, I, I took on way back when, like maybe 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, I was 
um, I was doing pretty well with giving talks and presentations. Like, and I was, I was applying the principles from the class and people had noticed and someone said, Hey, Joel, can you give a talk on talks at this retreat? Like a talk on talks. And so I was like, okay, can I take the, the principles that I'd learned from the course and boil it down into one, you know, 45 minute talk. And I did. And with, uh, obviously with, with David's permission, I did that. And so, and I've now given that talk several times. I mean, many, many, many times over the, whatever, 10, 12 years that I've created that, that set of slides. Um, and so now, um, I, when, when I started the podcast, I'm like, well, one, I want to, that's one thing I definitely want to do was to share that course and the ideas because it's been such a big influence on me and my teaching and, and how I communicate ideas through talks and other things I have to do for my job. But I know that PowerPoints are such a, uh, they're, they're out there and that if we have a, some, you know, b- these basic principles that David taught through the course, how can we share those? So anyway, um, that set of slides that I had used to communicate the principles of the course, we're going to go through those. And so if you want access to those slides, if you want to see the visuals, I think, just side note, I think we do a pretty good job of talking and describing the visuals within the audio. So if you never see the visuals, I think you'd be fine. But if you're curious and, and you want to see some of these principles in action, what I would suggest is going to amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 74 and there is a link to a set, a PDF of the slides. And it's a fairly large PDF. And we'll talk about why that isn't during the talk, uh, during our conversation. Download that PDF and just view it as a slideshow. You don't want to view it as like a scrolling document. That's, you're going you're gonna to miss out some, on some of the principles there. You don't want to do it like that. What you want to do is view it as a slideshow where you have to click, where you go from one slide to the next. That'll help recreate what it would look like for you to see it as a, um, as an audience member that's viewing slides. And so you'll get to see some of the things that we're talking about with regards to the seven words that we're going to use to describe, uh, how to make PowerPoints that don't suck. Right. (laughs) So, um, if you're looking, if you're looking for that again, amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 74, go ahead and, and take a look at those. Um, but regardless, here's my, I don't want to get, I don't want to go any further. There's also going to be some links to some of the uh, books that we mentioned. Uh, David has a, a book called Quantitative Ethnography, which um, he's kind of started that movement. And so he's got the book there. And so we've linked that in the show notes as well. And so, yeah, there's some some good stuff there. And just to look at some of the, his work, there's links to uh, his website and some other things. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, again, I took a course and was meant a lot to me. And so again, that's another way that we share and trying to think about how we can all learn how to teach better. And again, it's good for me to revisit some of these ideas and principles as well. All right, no more talking. Here's my conversation with Dr. David Williamson Schaefer. David Williamson Schaefer, uh, thank you for joining me on the Amadon Planet Podcast. How are you? I'm good. My pleasure to be here, Joel. It's been a long time since I saw you. I, yeah, I think we just right before we hit record, I think as I'm thinking back, it was a PMENA in Chicago, which I think might have been, uh, man, 2013 or 2014, something like that. So, but I talk about you often. And so it's, it's nice to, uh, you know, I had a lot of good memories of our uh, time at the University of Wisconsin and, and being in some of your classes and interacting with you. And so I'm just excited to finally get you on the podcast. Well, it's nice to see that, like, Something I did in the world has lived on past, <laughs> past the one class, right? Yeah. 
And if I, and I, we, you know, we, you were very, you're always very busy. So again, we want to honor your time here. And I remember back when I was, I got a chance to talk with you about some ideas I had for a dissertation topic. And did I remember it right that you were also a high school math teacher at, at some point in time? Is that, is that correct? I was, I was back in the stone ages. Yes. I taught high school math. Um, I taught uh, pre-calculus, uh, which was, which was fun. Um, and also uh, algebra too. So. And did you do some things with like some dynamic geometry programs or something like that? Yeah. Um, I was, I used a tool called geometer Sketchpad. Oh, yeah. Um, most people probably know it more now in terms of GeoGebra, which is mm-hmm. kind of the open source version. Um, but yes, I did a bunch of work uh, in uh, Geometer Sketchpad, and I actually wrote a workbook, companion workbook, uh, with some activities in, in trigonometry, which was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to have you uh, on the podcast because I one of the classes I took with you that has stuck with me uh, through, I mean, and, and many people that have taken the class, the, the learnings that we had have stuck with them as well. But I mean, definitely for me, uh, it was, I believe the name of the, the official name of the course was Psychology of Educational Communications. Was that right? Is that the official yeah. title? But that was the I official remember, title. And I remember like, I think it was a poster out that was like advertising for it, but the subtitle was like, how to make PowerPoints that don't suck. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> That Which, was the tagline. Yes, that's right. And and so, what led you to like want to create a course uh, like that? Um, well, mostly it was a it was a it was a service to myself in the sense that I really really didn't want to have to sit through any more terrible powerpoints than I had to <laughs> at conferences. Yeah. Well, I remember too. You're saying like, hey, if people have given you some of their time and you waste that time, it's like uh, I, there's a a Frank, uh, or not, uh, a Henry Rollins line. Like you're, you're hurting them. Just you're, you're kind of taking away their life just a little bit, just a little bit. Like you've just taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes. we're, we're going to honor that. So what I want to do is have you to come on and kind of, we, we, at the end of the class, we had this challenge of taking a, um, taking the seven word, like, like uh, well, let me back up. There was the Michael Pollan had his book in defense of food. And I think that was a common read at the time. It might've been Mm -hmm. uh, on the university Uh, and eaters manifesto. So Michael Pollan's book in defense of food and eaters manifesto, where on the front of the cover on the image on the front, there's like some romaine lettuce or something. And there's a rubber band on it. And on the rubber band, there were seven words that said, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And so saying like, Hey, here's this, here's the, here's the book in seven words. And so we had the challenge of coming up with what the, our, the course was in seven words. And I thought we would use that as a way to like guide the conversation so people can gather some of the learnings that we had from the course and, and still at the same time, uh, say, <laughs> serve it, serve the community better by help helping hopefully make a few less PowerPoints that um, are not up to par, to put it kind yeah. of. <laughs> so, um, but before we get into that, like, you know, you had at the beginning of the class, you had a, an amazing presentation where you go through, I think it was on epistemic frames, right? Is that, mm-hmm. would that have been right? Yeah, and that I, sounds right. And the th- thing is, I took that class 12 years ago and I still remember the epistemic frames and has the glass, there was a, like a, a person wearing glasses and the girl with the glasses, yes. Girl with the glasses that, that made up what epistemic frames was. And I could still imagine. So, I mean, right there, there's like, there's the power in a good, presentation that builds up to a point where 
I can still remember that 12 years later versus I can't remember a paper that I read just yesterday. Right. Right. <laughs> well, I, I had that problem too, but not because of the, not because the image was so powerful. Just <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't remember anything. I, but um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, so one of the ways we talked about it in the class, as you may remember, is with this notion of branding. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, one of the things that brands try and do is create some kind of iconic image that you will always remember. So the Morton salt girl, yeah, yeah. for example, or the copper tone girl with her, you know, uh, her bathing suit bottom being pulled, tugged by a dog or, and you could go down a long list of things. I mean, you know, Coke and Pepsi try and make their brands right. iconic. Um, and so the idea is to take a concept and attach it to an image that's memorable. Um, and that's what makes it stick. Right. Um, right. And a way of thinking about it is that a lot of um, a lot of what you're doing in the PowerPoint is trying to create, well, hopefully more than one, but one image that sticks in somebody's mind and carries your message. And so like, when you're, when you're thinking about that, like, you know, we have the epistemic frames, do you have any other images that could pop to mind? Like where, wow, that, like that concept tied to that image and that really sticks with you. Um, well, I mean, from my own work or things that I see in yeah, the world. Yeah. One or the other, either one. Yeah. So really, really successful image brands. Um, I mean, there's some that I, I obviously remember my own better because I'm, uh, I've worked with them, worked with them more, but, um, you know, in uh, in the book Quantitative Ethnography, for example, there's a, a core diagram which shows the pathway from uh, act action in the world through data, through coding, through modeling, all the way to making claims about culture. Um, and that tends to that's something that tends to stick in uh, stick in people's minds pretty well. Um, there's some, you know, there's some uh, ones that I've used that aren't particularly unique to me, but that stick in my mind. I think stick in my people's minds well. So, you know, when I want to talk about um, uh, education as like an industrial uh, coming up from the industrial revolution, which it of course did, right. The, yeah, yeah. Our modern schools were produced literally modeled after factories in the late 1900s. So, you know, I show a black and white picture of kids sitting in a classroom looking forward and everybody, you know, knows what I'm talking about. And they sort of remember becomes a memorable image. I mean, one thing to keep in mind, though, is that the, you know, of course, it's great if you can create an image that um, somebody remembers 12 years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm quite honored, actually. But, um, but the, the more, almost more important is that they remember the, an image you used early in the talk, later in the talk. Mm -hmm. Because what that then does is it serves as a summary and a cue and a reminder of an earlier idea that you can recall and connect and connect back to visually rather than having to say, well, remember when I was talking about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like that visual marker, like, Hey, you, I've already built this up. I'm going to put this up there. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're talking about epistemic frames again. We're talking about like, for me, it was like, we're going to go into some images here about like teaching math for social justice. Ah, that image yeah. sparks that. Right. Me. Exactly. I mean, in some way you can think about, I've actually done this occasionally, you know, you have a talk where the conclusion is, you know, in other words, this leads to this leads to this, like, and literally just saying this and just popping up like the, the key images that summarize the argument. Um, yeah. And that's very powerful because then, of course, you can stop and whatever, the, whatever, you, whenever you stop your talk, right, usually the slide stays up there. So mm -hmm. people make the mistake of putting up a slide that says, thank you. Like, oh, yeah. Well, 
okay, put up the slide that's like that summarizes your talk in an image and great, put your email on there or something or a <laughs> you right. know, URL. But like keep the summary of the talk there so that it's uh, so that you can it, basically so you can burn it into people's retinas so that it's easier for them to remember. Yeah, this is, I, this is the, we're going to do a speed round at the end of quick tips. That's the number one. I remember uh, like the things I did before the class, like one, using every transition and that keynote had to offer for no oh, reason. Just, <laughs> like, so that might, okay. So let's, so let's, um let's do this. Let's, uh, can, we, can we think about like, you can start with the things you did, but like, what are the things that you see now that just have you shake your head when you're watching talks at a, at a conference? When I think sometimes when people are using like a template from uh-huh. like a, an institution and it's like, it like co-ops a part of the screen and they're trying to make a, and it's like interfering with what they're trying to do. And it's overlapping. It's like, and it's like, ah, it's like the institution is, is invading their ideas and spaces where that's, mm-hmm. is that the message you want to say? Like, that's, that's one yeah. thing, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thank you is obviously another and transitions, yeah. crazy transitions, right? Yeah. Or the, the, um, and there's a very famous math ed person. She has an, a lot of text on a slide and then is talking very quickly at the same time. And there's not, it, it's hard to match them up. And it's like, what am I supposed to pay attention to the slide or the text? And, and sometimes it makes me seem like, well, if I'm talking a lot and there's lots of text that I must be saying something that's important versus like like we said in the beginning, you're ignoring, like people have given you a time and now you've just created a very clustered and clunky time mm-hmm. that I don't even know what to pay. And I'm going to give up, right? I'm just going to yep. give up. Well, that's, I mean, that's sort of the key. It comes it's writing as well. Right. But you know, one of the things I tell uh, graduate students in well, in all my classes really, but when they're, we're talking about writing is, you know, you have to imagine that your the, your reader, that your audience, right. Is lazy, stupid, <laughs> And they don't like you very much. Right? And, um, and, you know, that's actually not a bad model because you shouldn't be asking your reader or your, your, your audience to do a lot of work. It's your mm-hmm. job to make it, you know, to make it clear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we are all busy people. So the easiest thing for me to do is look at your presentation and go, all right, well, this is just this is just junk. I don't have to pay attention to this. And I go back and check my email. Right. And use the time right. more productively. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so you, you sort of have to, you, you really have to think about um, taking responsibility for the kind of communication that happens um, and not, not asking your audience to do work that you haven't done for them, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Well, and also, I guess, too, when you're saying like some of those things before, when you take an image and you put it back and like call back to it, it's almost like, like a safety plan. It's almost like reassurance, like, oh. Oh, this this person's taking me on a journey. They're taking me with them versus like they're just going off and like hopefully you can keep up. Versus no, no, I'm 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 here. I'm 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 pointing you in the right direction, right? Exactly. Yeah, I talk. Go. Yeah, I talk about this in, as a kind of economy of attention. Um, and for people who who are teachers or have been in classrooms, um, you know, you you sort of you know that like as a teacher, you, you can ask your students to do almost anything any fool thing, especially on the first day of class. Right. Yeah. Um, and if they do it and they, they realize that they've gotten something out of doing it, they've learned something, they've seen something, they've understand something, understood something, they enjoyed something, whatever it is. Right. The next time you can, you can ask them to go a little further before they see the payoff. And each time you can go a little further mm-hmm. um, and they'll kind of 
follow along just because they, uh, uh, you know, because you've, um, you've shown that you're not going to lead, you're not going to lead them down a garden path. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing that's the, the safety blanket is exactly right. And in fact, sometimes, um, one of the most effective things you can do on a slide is put something in a place that seems odd, whatever that means, right. Um, up in a corner or, uh, you know, over to one side or like peeking out of the side, whatever it is, and then construct the rest of the image around it such that where it started makes sense. And what that does is it gives your audience this sense that you know exactly where you're going and that you know that how to take them there and that if they follow along, you know, they're going to get there. And, and it means that you can, con you can string together more complex ideas because they will follow you instead of tuning out because they know that they're going to get somewhere good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is like right in the heart of, I, th I, I think I, I, I get a lot of praise for some of my presentations and actually, and again, the, what the, the presentation that I'll eventually share in the uh, um, show notes for this episode is something that I built off of the class. And then people asked me to come share it multiple times because extracting some of those same lessons. And that is one of the things where, Hey, here's this very complex flow chart or diagram or whatever. And I constructed it in a way where you know what each piece stands for versus like, when you use it, like just throwing it up there and like pointing at it and like, oh. you should never have to point because if you <laughs> no. construct it in a way, it'll point for you. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Pointing is essentially a sign. Anytime you find yourself gesturing at your images, it means that you didn't construct them correctly. Yeah. If you've constructed them correctly, you shouldn't have to gesture at all. So that gets us to, um, the the seven words and we're going to go through and, and reveal and i guess that that gets us to uh you know the the first slide that i had in this presentation that says and it, it's doing exactly what you just said like put something off to the side so it says just use images it's centered but it's in the all the way to the left so it like there's already foreshadowing right there's foreshadowing that oh this is going to continue and it obviously exactly. will. <laughs> um yep. so use images why why do we why and what do you mean by images like some people might think oh David's saying to use photographs and, and you're not necessarily, you're not saying photographs. No, it doesn't have to be a photograph. Um, oh, I remember this thought. You remember now. this one? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So an image is not, is not necessarily a photograph. Um, the, the reason I use the word image instead of picture is, is partly, you know, to, to connote that. But um, the idea of, an, so an image is something that we um, don't process um, linearly the way we process text. Mm -hmm. and we, we process it holistically. We see the whole image. Now, it's true that we look at different pieces. Um, so the image that you have in front, uh, in front of us right now, right? I see the whole thing, and then I start to deconstruct that there's people holding a sign, and the sign is composed of and all the, all the other things that are on image. Um, but I see it holistically. And what that means is that all of the pieces of the image contribute towards its meaning. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this, you know, the old saying a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, more or less, that's why, right. Right. It's because the information is much denser in a picture than it is in text. And if, so if you're going to show somebody something, if you're going to put it in front of them, what you want to do is convey as much information as you can, as clearly as you can. And an, the, an image is the best way to do that. That is something that you see holistically. That doesn't mean there can never be text on an image. You have a little equation there. 
Um, but what it means is that the text is really secondary to the gestalt of the whole image. Yeah. And just to, you know, for those that are just doing this the audio version, but like, so we have a math chalkboard in the middle of like a, a tree and the tree has got some extended roots off to one side and there's people standing on top of the roots. And that's all a, a picture uh, that's on a, like a protest board basically held by um, some people and they're all, no one's really, uh, it's not really, they're uh, line drawings, basically uh, all the people are like line drawings. So there's not too much detail. So um, so right. That, and what's great about that is you just gave a terrible description. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not, that's not a critique, right? It's just, yeah. it's just going to be really hard to tell what it is that you're looking at based on right. that. Um, and in, in one image, you can basically communicate, you know, all of those things. And a way of thinking about this, um, I, we talked about this in the class, but the, so an, an image carries with it um, uh, uh, not just a denotation. So this isn't just there's a tree, it, yeah. it's, it, it's a connotation. Right. There's all sorts of secondary meanings around it. And so that image carries a lot, of, a lot more meanings than just the words that you say. Mm -hmm. um, so if I say like, you know, traditional school, and I gesture up to the picture and it's a bunch of old black and white grainy photograph of a bunch of kids looking really bored, right? It tells you a whole bunch of information about what I mean about old, about traditional school without me ever having to say it. Um, and part of the reason that I say use images is not just that your slides should have images on them, but that your story is actually told in the pictures. Yeah. in the images people often make the mistake of thinking that the the narration the words are what's important and that the illustrations the slides are to illustrate the words and it's just the other way around what you want to do is present the images so as to make an argument and because images have all these connotations that kind of swirl around them what you're actually doing is using the words to bound the, the images, to make them mean some specific subset of their possible meanings that you want to use them for. Um, and so really, you know, you construct this, you can, when you construct the talk, it's the slides. And that's why, if you remember from class, I actually refer to the words that you say when you're giving a presentation as patter, patter like a magician's yeah. patter, right? Mm -hmm. You're just trying to, you're just trying to do what you need to do to make the images work. So yeah. it's both about the fact that images are very powerful and about the fact that you actually want to organize your entire presentation so that it's the images that lead, the slides that lead and you follow. Yeah. And again, I try to use those principles of building this this slide deck so that, I mean, I, I it could be a year since I gave it, but I can put it right up and like, oh, it just guides what I'm, I'm going to be saying. And so I had some of the failed images. I think uh, basically, I think the assignment for this was to come up with an image that represents an idea that you want to represent in your dissertation, which I've done this activity yeah. before. It's been productive, but this is a, the end one is that I horribly described is uh, <laughs> the one that uh, was the after refinement. The first one was the tree has uh, is, is growing out of the people. And I think the first thing you said is, Hey, what kind of people are under trees, Joel? And I'm like, and you're like dead people. <laughs> like, like, like that and, and that's where, when you talk about meaning, it's like, yeah, the meaning that it has on you. I wanted like, oh yeah, this math is emerging from people, but it's like, but then you put it towards the the user, the receiver of the image. I'm like, 
Well, those are, it's coming out of dead people, Joel. And that's probably not the <laughs> image. And then there are also too, this, uh, an image that we had was there was a picture. I found a picture of, oh, people like it, holding some sort of banner. And uh, I put the same image that I just described in the middle of that banner. And there was, uh, <laughs> you, you tore this one apart a lot because it was actual, a, a picture, not an, an image where it's like, looks like a homecoming rally. And you're like, well, what's going on here? There's a mysterious guy that looks like Dave Grohl with a, with a you know duffer cap on in the middle there. Like <laughs> what's he doing? And then uh, there was just a lot of, it was a lot very problematic and use this book. And I don't even remember the Scott McCloud, I think it's Scott McCloud. Yeah. Scott McCloud's yep. book about understanding comics where, and, and this was, this was very powerful to me because you, you talked about the difference between and within the book too, it talks about the difference between like a Spider-Man comic or a Batman comic where he's getting punched in the face and he's really hurt and like there's blood that comes off and it, like the amount of detail is there but to show like, oh, wow, that punch really hurt versus Archie and Veronica comic. I'm really dating myself now, but like or a Peanuts comic, right? Where they don't need that kind of detail, right? That's just, hey, you want to say that the football is being moved and Charlie Brown is on his back again. Right. And so the detail matters and detail matters for what you were trying to say. And I just, I love, it. I still got that book on my shelf too. So, yeah. I mean, so the problem with the slide that you were just, I mean, that you just, you were showing a second ago with a sort of picture of people at a pep rally or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and then your image branded on it, right. Is It's exactly what you said when, when the image sits up there and it has all these details, these different people and the clothes they're wearing on those details are not important to your argument. Right. And as a result, people can your your viewer can get lost wondering about the details instead of paying attention to your message. Yeah. And and then again, you're you're you have put something in their face that's distracting them from the message. And yeah. That was again a powerful lesson. But yeah, yeah I'll like let this one sit up there and like people are like, what does that guy do? What's that guy doing? Yeah. yeah. And you know, part of the way that you get around that, of course, is that you don't leave the slides up for a long time and to talk a lot over one slide, right? If the slides are moving quickly, right. then you actually have a lot more control over how much, how far somebody can wander into the connotations. Yeah. Um, that's why building an image, right, is more effective than just putting the whole thing up and then talking for five minutes over it. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I remember that was like one of the most intimidating things where you would say, how many slides are in the slide deck and where you, would you just show like the epistemic frames? And it was like, I don't know, maybe 20, which sounded amazing. Like a lot, like, wow. 20, it was like a 10 minute, 20 minute, 20 slides. Whoa. And there was like, there's 152. <laughs> it's like, like what? 250 like, probably. In that yeah, slide two, deck. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, and, and I think that gets into this next, the next two words, which it was, and it, we're kind of already touched on it was like work backwards. Right. And so having that image um, uh, that I just poorly described before, but building up to it where, you know, you can, you know, I'm going to try my pattern right now. So you have math that emerges from a community. And as the community learns about more about math and learn and the, and math through math, you can, the students can learn more about the community and justices may arise, which would call for social justice. Bingo. There you go. And so building yeah. up to that, having, having, knowing where I wanted to go and being able to just then basically delete <laughs> you're just deleting things to get back to where you want to be um allows you to again build the build the pattern build uh the and bring your audience with you along yeah exactly yeah in fact that, that's so one of the things if you remember we talked about we talk about the idea of scenes and builds yes 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 right? yes so 
Um, so the idea of a build is that you want to be able to show this image and have it mean something. Mm-hmm. And then, as you say, literally just do, you know, copy and delete backwards until you get to the beginning. That's where, like in the little pattern you just did, the little math equation shows up in a weird place on the screen. And by the end, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a lot. And, and that's not just true for each build and each scene, um, but it's true for the whole talk. Like in some ways, there's some image that you want to build at the end. Yeah. Right. Well, and think and about what's the last slide first, right? Yeah. Well, and then you added this part. I don't know if you remember this, but you said, well, but then put that first slide again. So we have the, the whole slide, the whole picture. And then you say, and I think this math, teaching math for social justice is better than this. Just the math on yep. its own. And so it's yep. like very stark, like all of a sudden, oh, it's just the chalkboard again with the math and everything else is gone. You're like, wait, wait, where's everything? And as an audience, you're like, wait, it looks so much better with everything around. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. And exactly. So, so that's exactly. what you want. And, it, uh, and I don't know if you still use this, but like you had us mm-hmm. think about um, with working backwards, think about the John Franklin writing for story um, book. We had a, ver- yeah, a wide a variety exercise. of books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like creating the very tight outline. The John Franklin writing for story, you did a lot of uh, what dramatic nonfiction, these tight outlines um, for your, and having that as like, this is the roadmap, anything that deviates from the roadmap. And you're again, like you say, distracting from your audience. Yep. This feels like the yeah, Chris that- Farley show a little bit. Like I'm saying, <laughs> you remember, you remember that David? Huh? Yeah, remember that? Awesome. Oh, that was, yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, no, no. The writing for storybook is great, and and uh, you probably you probably summarize this as often as I have, right? But the idea is that you reduce everything um, to a, a basically three word sentences: noun, verb, noun. All the verbs have to be active, right? So something yeah. is always there's always a protagonist, and it's always doing something, and there has to be some conflict that then gets that then gets resolved, right? Um, yeah, like. I, I tried, I tried to do it. I, I have a little bit more words than probably necessary. Like, so mine for this presentation is presentations muddle the idea. So there's a conflict presenter defines the idea presenter illustrates the idea presenter avoids distracting the idea presenter presentations illuminate the idea. So there we go. Yeah. That's a, tried that. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously all of that is about, um, you know, the problems that people always have with killing their darlings, right? The, oh, yeah. the slide that you really loved and you, uh, you know, you just can't get yourself to get rid of it. Um, or some idea that you really wanted to talk about, you know, it doesn't directly add to the, to the punchline at the end. Um, Did you, I sometimes, I'm quite. Oh, I was going to say like the, cause that killing your darlings comes from like, I, I heard it in William Goldman's book about screenplays. Um, and I don't know if the, I mean, and I just wonder where your influences are for some of this stuff that you came up with. Or is it just. Yeah. Sort of... Yeah. I think actually John Franklin talks about killing your babies. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, there you go. But, yeah. but killing your darlings is a little more, yeah, yeah. a little more, you know, safe for work. Um, that's right. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an idea that's, that's an idea that's around a lot, but you know, I, when, when students are writing, I, I often tell them to, to imagine that what you're doing is you're constructing a train, right. And you're, you want to, take that train and, and drive it down the track and you want to get, get it as big ahead of steam as you can behind it. So when it finally hits the, 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 your, your reader at the end, they're flattened by the force of your idea. Yeah. And if you want to make that train go as, you know, develop as much kinetic energy as possible, go as fast as possible. What does that tell you about the track? Well, the right. answer is it has to be straight. Right? Mm-hmm. Any deviation on the track slows the train down. 
Yeah. Um, and this is more or less the same idea, just presented in an entire book and explained in much more detail than I, than I just explained. It. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. But yeah, the, those are two fabulous books. Um, yeah. Understanding comics and writing for story. Absolutely. So then, um, you know, I, and I give an, in the presentation, I give an example where, Hey, here's a very complicated um, diagram that I constructed through the course and it's got all sorts of circles and Venn diagrams and arrows and things like that. And, you know, the thing that eventually was to come back and do exactly what you said, build backward, go uh, work backwards and to, you know, tell what each piece means. So like part of it is the universal design process. So we put that together. Part of it is from Magdalene Lampert, which is uh, uh, teaching with problems and the problems of teaching, where she talks about the problem space of teaching, which we developed that. And, and so then we overlap those things together and combine them with uh, Gutstein's teaching math for social justice, Venn diagram sort of uh, thing. And now all of a sudden that diagram, you can see, oh, wow, there's three references in there. There's, I can see the Gutstein. I can see Magdalene Lampert. I can see the universal design process. And, and it, it this, and, and I've, I keep, I still use this today. I have students today. We were talking about as something, um, some, we were have, we had my finals today. So that's why I'm a little scattered, but, uh, some, one of them talked about this instructional triangle and, and I'll use the slides to lay it out and about the importance of building relationships. And he points to this image as that is being something that stood out to him from the course. And it's like, mm -hmm. there we go. Like the power of those images to stick with them and to help, you know, explain them things. Yep. And actually, that's a really nice build that you just did. And uh, I don't know, I don't know how uh, your our listeners are going to be seeing it. Um, but it but you know, there's some other clever things you did in there. Like in, when you were trying to cite somebody, you actually just mm. showed a picture of their book, yes. right? which, which partly just gives more information, but it's also just more interesting than saying the name. Right. And as you interleave that, right, you could see how the, the, um, the, those three ideas came together through the construction of the diagram. So it's yeah. really nice. Yeah. And that's, I, again, another uh, thing I, I got from you rather than, you know, just like, what do we the parentheses at the bottom with the name and date, which you can do, but, but to have like, here's actually the source that I took this from, or here's, you know, I'll use like, if it's a, you know, from a journal, like just get the front page of the journal too, that has all the authors on it and whatnot. Um, that, I think that again is more powerful than, you know, just some parentheses, but stronger image it also shows like, Hey, I read this book, <laughs> you know, for this, uh, <laughs> there's yeah. something about, you can trust me as a presenter. And so I yeah. did show, um, what this looked like. Oh, is when this where did, it started? Yeah, this is what it started. So this is, oh. a, so, um, one is on a white, all of my builds are on a black background. And I think we could talk about that later with keep it clean, but, um, this is like a very messy version. If it started off with, if I built it from the front or from the, uh, if I didn't work backwards, which is probably what I didn't do here. So I'm like, there's a Venn diagram with the teaching math social justice. There's like, um, whatever the default color that would be in a shape is in there rather than picking out the colors, like nothing is aligned. There's nothing that's really said. It doesn't look as elegant as what I just built. And I remember we would do these diagrams where you say, Hey, represent something. And you'd put them up and, and just, we'd start tearing it up. Like, Hey, these aren't in alignment. This isn't here. Why, why are you using that color? What, you know, why is that off to the side? Like, and, and those sorts of things like helped um, like figure, okay, if you're going to take responsibility for every pixel, what, what do you want to do here? Cause everything was default here 
David, that was, the, that was the thing. Like the white was a default background. That shit color was a default back. The size of the arrows probably were default. And then maybe just adjust them a little bit, but, or, and there's one that's like every arrow is double-sided and there's one that's not. And I remember you pointed out, Hey, why is that not double-sided? Everything else is and like, like, Oh yeah. And if I, that just sat up there and I was pointing at it, that things would start to stand out of <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you start, you know, again, you're, it's just a distraction. We have certain expectations as viewers of how things are going to be constructed. Symmetry, for example, is just yeah. way baked into our, into our psyche, which is fine. And it's fine to not use symmetry. It's just if you break the user's expectation or the viewer's expectation, you have to have a reason for doing it. Because otherwise it just, then, then, so, I mean, in a sense, all of, well, let me step back. So there's a theory of um, construction of meaning in the in the humanities, um, which is more or less that if you that that all of uh, understanding is about taking two ideas that you didn't see as connected and connecting them together. Mm. And the further apart those ideas started, the more of a sense of wow you get when they're when they're connected. And so all of that works based on expectation. If you just throw two, two things at me and I have no expectation as to whether they should or shouldn't be connected, there's no wow factor when you say they're connected. Right. So all of this is about building a viewers, building your viewer's expectation and then deciding very deliberately whether to satisfy that expectation by putting what they expect or to go against their expectation mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and create that, you know, create sort of that moment of surprise and tension. Um, if there's no if there's no orderliness in what you've shown, then I have no expectation as to what's going to come next. Which was really helpful for me. And I don't know if you remember what my dissertation was on, which was on teaching math as an act of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like there's, I mean, and, and I think my ability to you know get a committee to buy into like there's a lot of of or presenting at conferences or whatever is like being able to present those ideas in a way that helps again, like you said, create that connective tissue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I, and, and again, in part of maybe the, is it thankless too, where the nice build, like, you know, maybe some of like, Oh, that kind of looks nice. But when it doesn't look nice, it's like, Oh, I notice it if it doesn't look <laughs> nice versus when it does. So, well, as you said, you people compliment you on your spot. Yeah, yeah, so it's not that it goes completely unnoticed. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so the last, uh, and, and there's some books here, the visual Edward Tufts visual explanations book. That was one of our books that we used. And then you, with this film, art book, which basically was about the scenes, like building scenes. And so now that I have these scenes, which I can now use them over and over again, if, as long as I kind of keep a, a style, which I have, like, why, why change the style? I remember it was a big thing when I changed fonts once I'm like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And then you have to change your fonts and everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, the last one was keep it clean. And so th- this was uh, this is where it gets really personal, especially here on the Amazon Planet podcast. Where here's my current logo for Amazon Planet. Where we're about learning to teach better. Um, but the original picture, here we go, was uh, a, a knockoff of Animal Planet, the old one with the elephant that was had the little world of uh, Earth picture above it. And I had this on the front of my slides. And I think your uh, exact quote was, uh, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even to my assignment yet. I wasn't even to like the actual assignment to show up on the screen to, to for you to dissect. It was like, I'll just put this up and be like, whoa, 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 what is that? <laughs> it's like, like, stop the press, stop the music. Um, 
and we just dissected it. Like you just went to town on it. Like, Hey, it's grainy. The greens don't match. Like, what do you, uh, like, are you, are you trying to express a political affiliation? Like there was all sorts of things that you pointed out to it. And like, and you just basically said like, what's the point? And there was no point. There was no point. It was just like, I thought it looked cool. Like that was about yeah. it. Right. And you see that often in other things or is it, did I stand? <laughs> well, you, I, well, I mean, I think you, you stood out cause you were, uh, you had come up with this, you know, clever twist that you, that you wanted to use. And most <laughs> people don't have that with their name, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, you certainly don't stand out in terms of people using grainy images with all sorts of detailments <laughs> that they don't, uh, that they, they don't, they don't yeah. know about. Um, yeah. I mean, I actually think in subsequent years, I changed, uh, keep it clean to every pixel counts. Ah, um, yeah, it's the like same that. idea, yeah. right? But um, well, and you've been saying every pixel counts, um, but that's really what that means, right? Is that if you put a spot on the screen somewhere, you better you better know what it means and why it's there, right? Because if you don't, your your viewers are either going to get puzzled or just make something up, um, and that's of course like the problem with the with the institutional logo. I mean, right. sure, it's fine on your title slide or whatever. But is really what you want to do be advertising your university with every single slide and every distracting slide, yeah. from your point, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it, just think about. I mean, even even I'm just looking at the green logo right now. You'll notice. See, there's a little green spot right after the T and planet. Yeah, yeah. The, the comes registration the mark or whatever. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Like, why is that there? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I know why. But oh my I'm gosh, saying, I'm starting like, to sweat like I'm back in class. Oh gosh. <laughs> Well, actually, your next logo, the, the your replacement is really, it really looks nice. I still don't know what you use it for, but it looks nice. Now, well, well, here we go. It's my, now my Twitter handle. It's now it's a website. It's I see. A, I see. It's yeah. Amazonplanet.com. It's your brand. The pot. It's, it's your my, brand. It is my brand. And so, yeah. um, and like you would say, you know, rather than you, you, someone wants your slides, they're too big, right? And so, if they want them, guess where you go. Amazon planet and you can find them there on the homepage or you want to, what's my website? Where's my, uh, you want to find me on LinkedIn Amazon planet. So like it, it is, it has become a brand and it, like that, that was the birth yeah. of Amazon planet was right there. Like make it mean something. And so I think I got their so website <laughs> much later. Yeah. Trying to, and we had this, um, this book, the non-designers design book by Robin Williams. And, and some yeah. of the things I saw there was like, making sure things are in alignment, right? And if you're going to make fonts different, make them way different and make them for a reason. And just a lot of these things that like you're saying, like make every pixel count um, is, is pretty important. Yeah. And so- Yeah, I mean, I, there's basically four principles in that book, right? And that's pretty much all you need. Yeah. Because um, what was the acronym? Do you remember? Uh, no, I don't, I don't remember no, now. I, now, um, now I'm going to have to call it up. But I mean, it was, uh, it was it, yeah, you had two of them. It was- um, uh, it's alignment. Mm -hmm. It's contrast. Contrast. I don't remember what the other two are. It was like the other two are off. I want to say head. it was crap. Was the acronym? Like, no, it <laughs> could be. I think I actually think contrast so. alignment. Repetition. Repetition. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and what would P be? P. I don't know. I'll 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 call back. You should, to it you when should I close get it up. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I have. I still. I think I still have that book somewhere. So I'll I'll get it. Um. And so this is you know the final slide which we were building up to. So across the screen, now it says use image, use images, work backwards, keep it clean. And then like you said, one of the big things is don't put the thank you up at the end of your presentation. Just, hey, you want to find it? I've got Amazon Planet. That's referenced to the website. Um, and then there's my contact information if you want to go uh, want to learn more or wanted to contact me. So, um, but 
that, I mean, in a nutshell, that, that was, you know, our course in seven words, but what are some, any other like words of wisdom that you want to leave people before uh, we wrap this up? Well, don't use bullet points. Yeah. In yeah. fact, yeah. if you can avoid it, don't use text at all. Yeah. Um, uh, the only, you know, don't read your slides, whatever you put on there, don't read them. There's, that's the, there's more or less a waste of time, right? If you, if what you put is so complex that you have to explain it, then you should break it down. Right. Um, and if it, if it's simple enough for me to explain it, understand it, then I don't, then you don't need to explain it. Yeah. Uh, the exception of course is, is qualitative, um, examples. So if you put up a qualitative quote, you should always read it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that's, I mean, if you, if you want to pick one thing that people do that's frustrating, it's just having their talk be a series of bullet points that they just repeat. Right. Cause I'm, you know, you're sitting there thinking, could you just give me the slide deck and I can read it? Like I really right. don't need to sit through this. Um, <laughs> if people just did that, we'd be, it would be a much better world. Right. right. Um, you know, I think we've touched on a lot of the, on a lot of the key issues here. Um, you know, the thing we haven't talked about, although you mentioned it is, is sort of scenes, um, yeah. and a way of thinking about that, right. Is that you, you're, you're, you're telling a story in the same way that a film tells a story and that story has a story arc to it. And that story arc is composed of segments that, that are making a particular claim. Um, and so if you want to organize your slides around or organize your talk around that idea. People sometimes do that where they'll like say, I mean, you know, the obvious ones like methods, results, yeah. and so on. Um, but uh, but however it is you're however it is you're organizing your talk, you, you know, whether or not it's an empirical talk, you have to think in terms of of scenes. Um, those seem like the like some of the big things. I mean, in addition to everything else we've talked about, yeah. um, and and just just be you have to be a really critical consumer of your own slides mm-hmm. like really look at them and ask yourself why is that where it is why is it there at all right and why did i put it where i put it and if you have an answer for that question then you're fine yeah right i mean sometimes <laughs> yeah you do. there is still bad design which could have a reason behind it but yeah um, but i think i mean i know that i've had you in my head <laughs> for since the class but i mean that that's been helpful and then that's also, a terrible image by the way well, <laughs> but it, but all but, it, but all you know some of those same principles that we talked about or even these seven words you know in my head and then you know helping others either doc students or others that are doing presentations like these are sort of the, the principles that i'm building off of and and now we can help each other because i think that's our thing too is either if you being self-critical or asking each other like how can we make this these better. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, I want to thank you, uh, for your time, uh, today. I really appreciate it, but I, I want to know, like I, we have, uh, your book, uh, that I always promote at the beginning of the slide. Um, it's the, uh, how computer games help children learn. Um, so that's been out for a while, but I'm sure you have other mm-hmm. things to promote as well. Well, the other book that, uh, the book that's closer to the work that I do right now is called quantitative ethnography. And it, it's a, essentially a method, um, for, uh, linking or connecting, integrating is the right word, um, uh, unifying qualitative and quantitative analyses. So for the people who are doing interested in this on the research side, um, it's a way of using quantitative methods to support qualitative claims uh, 
basically to support the theoretical saturation of qualitative claims. Um, and it's, uh, there's now a society for quantitative ethnography and a conference for people who are interested. Um, so there's been a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot going on around it. And the book is sort of a nice introduction to that way of thinking nice. about data. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your time, sharing your expertise. And, uh, I'm excited to, uh, uh, well, I'm going to take a look at that book, but then also too, just to keep working on these ideas. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. Well, thanks for, ha- thanks for having me. I'm, I'm humbled at the thought that there's at least one person in the world who has me in their head. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. There it is. My conversation with David. Uh, love it. Um, again, it's an audio podcast. It's talking about visual communications. So if you want to go to the show notes, aminoplanet.com forward slash episode 74, you can get the PDF version of the slides there. And again, take a look and you'll see some of those principles coming to life that we talk about within this episode. And so it might be, you know, if you're really into it and you want to go back through and, and listen to the episode while at the same time clicking through some of those slides, we kind of, that's what we kind of did as we, as we, um, talked, uh, as we had this talk together, we're talking about the seven words of, um, use images, work backwards and keep it clean. And so, and, and I think he replaced those last words with, uh, make every pixel count, but that's too many words. Uh, I can't remember what he said anyway, about all the pixels, all the pixels count, all pixels count. I think that was it. Anyway, you can rewind and I can rewind and we can go figure that out. Regardless, we talked about keeping it clean, uh, way back when, but if you're looking for that, uh, go ahead, down, go to the show notes, download the PDF and re-listen to it. And again, it could be something that if you're in, um, a class where you're teaching PowerPoint, this could be a nice little thing to assign, have people go look at the video and, or look at the slides and listen to the podcast at the same time. Anyway, just a suggestion. All right. So that's all we have for this episode in, we're going to, uh, we're keep chugging along this summer. We've got uh, another episode coming up in the very near future that I'm excited about to share kind of a, a summer themed episode, but I uh, finally excited to get this one out and shared. And so, um, yeah, just thanks for listening. We're, 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 we're doing some good stuff here. At least I'm feeling it. If you're looking for ways to support the episode, please, please subscribe, rate, and review uh, the podcast that wherever you find it. Just uh, go ahead and hit those like buttons, follow buttons, uh, you know, subscribe buttons, whatever you're doing. Or if you have a chance to rate or review it on your platform that you listen to, that's always helpful. We, we um, That helps other people looking for similar content find it. So... Thank you. Always looking for that. You can also follow us on social media at Amadon Planet uh, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amadon Planet Facebook page. And you know what? That's it for today. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Amadon Planet podcast. Uh, thanks to um, thanks to David Williamson Schaefer for sharing uh, his time and expertise. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.